Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan and with me once again is Ginny Wu. Hey. And Andrew Brown. Hello. And we've got quite a packed show for you this week. We're going to try and keep it as uh, succinct as possible but with the Nintendo Direct and everything they've got quite a few few bits to chew through. So we'll we'll get right into it. So the thing we're going to start with for the uh, Nintendo Direct news was that Skyrim on Switch finally has a release date. I'm looking forward to this one. It's coming on 17th of November. Other news, mods are not currently planned. I, for one, am not particularly bothered about that. I'm here for the main game. What about you guys? I've been looking forward to playing Skyrim on Switch since they put out that first video showing the crazy hipsters playing it on their Switches. Uh, and they were being really coy about it for a while. Said, eh... It, it's not actually confirmed for Switch. You know, we've we put out a video of people playing it, but it may not actually happen. But I always hoped it really would because I'm a big fan of Skyrim. And the Switch is just a format that I want to play a game like that on. Uh, I know I could play it on like a laptop or whatever, but I just, I like playing it on dedicated gaming consoles. So being able to play like the full Skyrim game with all the add-ons in a portable format is extremely attractive to me, even though it's for a game I've already beaten multiple times and put several hundred hours into. I'm more than willing to do it again, even without mods, because I still haven't done everything there is to do in the base Skyrim game, and if there's not enough time in the world to do everything in the base game, what do I need mods for? Uh, I'm not fussed about not having access to them. That's fair. Um, I think I mentioned last week, I am not salivating um, at the mention of Switch Rim, but um, if I had to peg a console um, as one that encouraged me to finish games that I wouldn't ordinarily finish, um, I am Setsuno being a prime example of that. Um, getting it on the Switch might actually help me finish the base Skyrim game for the first time, so we'll see how that goes. And I've um, I've been wanting to replay it for absolutely ages. Uh, and I thought that was going to be on the PS4 when the uh, remastered version came out. It was in my pile of shame. Um, but then as soon as it was hinted to be coming to Switch, I sort of gave that up and was waiting for the Switch version. Again, because of the portability or something. Um, and I've got it in my head that I'm going to recreate my D&D character for this one. I've always made uh, stealth characters, usually elves or maybe a Khajiit. But I don't think that's going to change this time either, because that's really the only way i know how to play skyrim i always play on legendary difficulty and i know that there's ways you can build your character so that way you can compete as like a spellcaster or just a regular melee character on legendary difficulty but the only way i've been able to do it successfully is to build up a character who just backstabs everything and just sneak kills everything if i can't do that i'm not able to play and i am not inclined to change that method of playing in the Switch version. And I, I'm sad to say that I'm like the, the whitest RPG player in the world, whereas I'll just get a sword and hit things. <laughs> straight, to the, straight to the point. Never mind not that magic nonsense. And um, yeah, as to the mods, yeah, I've never really bothered with mods in anything, even when I was playing more stuff on PC. I get why some people would love them for the menu improvements and stuff, but it's not why I would choose to play a Bethesda epic fantasy adventure. I'm here for the story, the world. Couldn't care less. It's mostly the world for me. Um, Skyrim is just, I think, 
one of the best open worlds ever created. Uh, Breath of the Wild might edge it out now, but there's really no other place I would rather return to just to walk around and just look at things than Skyrim. Well, I've always played my games quite heavily modded in terms of the PC. Um, most recently, Dragon Age Inquisition. I think that the mods add lots of quality of life improvements, like you mentioned, better menus, um, different graphics, some mods to how things look in the game. Like I think I modded my horse in The Witcher 3. Like So I, I like the freedom that mods give me, and I'm going to miss that playing it on the Switch. But I think, like I said earlier, I think the Switch being so portable has actually helped me finish some titles that I wouldn't naturally finish. So even if it is without mods, I think I might actually give this one a crack. But we'll see. And Xenoblade Chronicles also has a release date, coming 1st of December, along with a uh, collector's edition, which I've totally pre-ordered, and a special edition Pro Controller, which I really want. So I I absolutely love the first game. Um, Spent over 100 hours on it on the uh, new 3DS when it came out. Did never get to the the Wii version. Um, I bought Chronicles X on Wii U, haven't played it yet. Um, Hopeful of a remaster one day. But I'm totally psyched for a dense and complex JRPG on the Switch. What about you guys? Um, I think it looks really good. Um, judging from what we saw in the Direct, the graphics look amazing. And um, I did play the Wii U version. Um, this one looks a little bit less Gundam-esque mech-heavy, but still interesting. Um, I think we do need JRPGs. I know I banged on about this the past two episodes, but I'm happy for basically any Japanese game to be put on the Switch, um, give every game to the Switch. So I'm going to get it. I'm a sucker for JRPGs. Okay, I'm going to uh, be the voice of Naysay here. Uh, um, I have not played either Xenoblade Chronicles or Xenoblade Chronicles X. I own them both, but I haven't played them. Uh, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, who I'm often in lockstep with him on just about every game... Shout out Major Gamer, I know you're listening. Uh, He was absolutely withering about Xenoblade Chronicles, so I I just skipped it when it came out. And I basically bought it just so I could own it for my collection, because it's become quite rare. I'm looking at Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and the level design looks amazing. Uh, I'm really intrigued by the worlds and the way they work, how they're all built on the back of... The giant creatures, I think they're called titans. So that looks really cool, but obviously I'm just going off of a video here, but and again I am I have a creative writing background, so I'm I'm put a heavy emphasis on this compared to other people who play video games. The story and the characters look really basic and really standard. I'm not excited by them at all. And that being the thing that would draw me to the game, I'm just looking at that, and I'm just like, eh. So it's going to be a day one purchase for me. I'll probably play it. I'll give it a fair shake. I want to like it, but nothing they have put out about it so far has got me at all excited about playing it. So I think what you're saying there is is a problem with a lot of JRPGs where they um, they like specialize in in like melodrama and stuff, and it's like... You know, yeah, it, it it can take a while for you to warm to the characters. I think that's just a common genre thread sometimes for some people. Next up, um, the Switch is about to get its first MOBA, 
uh, Arena of Valor. Now, I have literally zero interest in MOBAs at all, um, so I'm definitely going to pass on it. Um, now, Ginny, I believe you were looking into this one? Um, yes, I have a 150% interest um, level when it comes to MOBAs, um, as League of Legends reporting is sort of my other gig. Um, so I'm really interested in the concept of Arena of Valor. Fun facts for those who are listening. Um, Arena of Valor is actually owned and produced by the same company that has an ownership stake in League of Legends, hence why all the characters look like um, ripoffs, I guess, of League of Legends characters. But the interesting thing is, is that the company that owns this whole gig, Tencent, they are so filthy rich that they can afford partnerships with Marvel and DC. And so you'll, you, so you can play as Batman, the Joker, Wonder Woman, or Superman, if that floats your boat in this MOBA, um, with canon-specific skills and stuff like that. So I think it's got a lot more in it than people expect. I know it is a mobile game, which makes it, quote-unquote, a dirty thing, I suppose. But I think that if people give Arena of Valor a chance, they'll see that it's got a lot of value. And it has been historically free. So I assume they're going to charge for it on the Switch, which could mean that we get more premium content. I looked at a faster rate, and also probably more game modes than the traditional mobile game. So I think it's worth a look. Uh, I enjoy MOBAs. Um, I've played most of the major ones that are on the market. I have played Heroes of the Storm the most, but MOBAs demand a lot of your time, and I just I don't have the time to give to them. But having said that, uh, I have been looking forward to the first MOBA that's going to come to the Switch. Uh, if it doesn't require internet to play, if there's a, a, some kind of bot match, I'll probably spend more time with it than not. Uh, but I was actually really wondering how Nintendo was going to approach the MOBA. I wanted to see their take on it. So that's more what I'm looking forward to. But I would be open to the first MOBA on the Switch and seeing what it's like. So... We'll see. Cool. Uh, moving on, they showed off uh, more in-depth footage of uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which uh, never looks anything other than great at this point. Um, they showed off a couple of new worlds. Um, I'm purposely trying to ignore a lot of stuff about this game because I like to be surprised when I go into these sorts of things. My default is to see a trailer go, oh cool, I want to play that, and then ignore everything else about it until I get to play it. But I couldn't resist watching this one. So, as they covered before, the mind-controlling stuff looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and leads to uh, could lead to a lot of fun puzzles. I th- I kind of like how they're tailoring Mario's fail state to fit the open-world structure a bit better. What are you guys, are you guys excited for this one? I assume you both are. Yeah, I'm really keen. Um, I've always been down with um, sort of these more quote-unquote um, open-world exploration platformy type Mario games. Um, I mean, I love the heck out of Super Mario Sunshine and all of its games that came after that. And I think Paper Mario is ridiculously amazing. Might be a controversial opinion. But basically, I'm Team Mario, so this is like a day one purchase for me. I'm definitely going to get it, and I feel like I'm going to love it already. So I've got um, high expectations, but faith that Nintendo will meet them. I haven't been excited by a super mario game a core platforming super mario game in a really long time they've all felt like they're kind of chasing after super mario 64 and not always living up to it in fact frequently not living up to it 
and so I've been skeptical of Odyssey so far, but what they've shown in the Nintendo Direct on Wednesday is the closest I've been to being excited about it. Once they showed that image of the map and zooming out on the map and showing that long checklist of, I think they're called Lunas, like yep, that's that are hidden away in the level. I was like, oh, okay, so that looks pretty cool. Uh, it kind of reminded me, if I'm interpreting the video correctly, of uh, the way Banjo-Kazooie worked, where you would enter a world and you would just have to wander around and find all the things hidden away with it. But whereas Banjo-Kazooie had 10 jigsaw pieces hidden in each world, Super Mario Odyssey looks like it's going to have as many as 60 Lunas hidden in each world. So that's pretty substantial. Uh, so I am definitely looking forward to Mario Odyssey now, whereas I was not before. Also, uh, they named the new Kirby game, which is Kirby Star Allies, coming spring, US, I assume, next year. Um, now, in another installment of Andy's Shocking Confessions, I have never played a Kirby game. Cute disappointment. You're not missing much. Oh, come on. Andrew is being such a contrarian this week. Even I know that's controversial. <laughs> well, I, for one, think you're missing out. Um, I'm also Team Kirby. Well, to be fair, I think I'm just Team Nintendo at this point. I honestly don't know why I keep having these sort of franchise-based disclaimers. But um, it looks like new Super Mario Brothers, but swapping all the Mario Brothers with Kirby's. Um, so I think it definitely is going to be a game that you're going to need a couple of mates to play with to get your mileage out of it. So I think I'll think about picking it up just because of that. It is kind of more like a sort of party game, family game. So how many mates I've got who are down for the Kirby Star Allies come over um, chill out session um, will depend on whether or not I pick it up. So. Yep, and my wife's a big Kirby fan, so who knows, maybe this will be my first in co-op. Who knows? Elsewhere, so we already knew that um, Dragon Quest Builders 2 was coming to Switch at some point next year. Um, they've also announced that the original Dragon Quest Builders is coming to Switch as well, which I think is a smart move. Um, I own it on Vita. I've played like five minutes of it, but I'll probably double dip for the Switch factor. And it's the only Dragon Quest game I've ever started. That's mainly because back in England it was really hard to get hold of when I was a child. So I can't be blamed for that one. It was impossible. I think you guys in the US had a better opportunity, right? Yeah, they were, for a while, they were doing a really good job of publishing the Dragon Quest series, although it was called Dragon Warrior for a long time. Uh, I think it was because Nintendo actually went to the extra effort to actually localize the game, which is one of the only reasons we got it over here, and Europe did not. Um, but it's disingenuous to call Dragon Quest builders really say it has much to do with the dragon quest series it's it's nothing like it at all it's set in the same setting but it's not really a dragon quest game it's a voxel building game but dragon quest builders one was my game of the year 2016 so obviously i'm hugely excited that it's coming to the switch which is actually one of the games i hoped would come to the switch as a port hashtag port all the games and it's now coming so i'm very pleased it's going to be a day one purchase for me. I'm going to play the heck out of it. Uh, I loved the original, but I actually didn't go and do all the side quests because that was 
it came out in the middle of a pretty heavy release season, so I just needed to move on to another game. This is coming out in spring, so I'm going to have time to do all the side quests. So I'm really looking forward to going back and doing those again. Okay, cool. Also announced to be coming to Switch was the, the follow-up to I Am Setsuna from Tokyo RPG Factory, published by Screenix. And they only showed a little bit of it. Looks very similar to I Am Setsuna, but a bit more colourful. I was a big fan of their previous work, so you can bet I'm excited for that one. Yep, I'm in the same boat as Andy. Um, as you all know already, I think I Am Setsuna was amazing. And I've thought that the characters that we got to see in the trailer, they looked quite cool. And we don't know much about them quite yet. But I'm one of those people that the more media I consume about a title closer to release, the more excited I get. Like with each screenshot and with each video, I just sort of hype up the game more. So at this point, I'm quite pumped to get it. And I think that overall, I think Square Enix has done quite well by the Switch in general to have all these games out. So I'm quite happy with that and it will be an immediate purchase for me as well. Staying with the JRPG theme, they showed off quite a lot of Project Octopath Traveler. I'm glad it's still a working title, but this is from the developers of Bravely Default, a game I'm a huge fan of. Um, They also released a demo on the same day. We've all checked that out, Um, so we're just going to spend a little bit of time talking about that now. Um, Now, I've only played through uh, Ulbricht's storyline in this one. So he was a former soldier who felt that he failed a murdered king that he was serving and the king was murdered by his friend to get away from it all he's taking up a new life in a village under a new name and he's been teaching the locals how to defend themselves um, and then he's suddenly thrust back into the adventuring game when the village gets some trouble with local bandits hiding in a cave nearby now what do you guys think of this one we'll start with andrew I played both of the chapters that were available, and I am a fan of the Bravely Default team. I really enjoyed Bravely Default, but I was not impressed by this demo. I look at what they're promising in the trailers, where you have like eight characters with intertwining pads, and depending upon how you play the game, the story will be different, and like I've been made these promises before and i see how well they are fulfilled i'm incredibly skeptical that it's going to change here but just as to playing the game itself and acknowledging that this is a demo so things could change or improve over time but the dialogue is really really standard uh it does not stand out in any way it's not bad uh, it's not a bad translation, it's not hard to read, it's not hard to understand what's going on, it's just boring. And that really bled over into Albrecht's story, where that probably had the most RPG going on in it. It felt the most like I was playing an actual RPG uh, when I was just doing the fighting and... Uh, like learning to stun enemies so that way Ulbricht could survive because he's by himself. And if you don't learn to game the stun system, then he gets cut down pretty quickly, no matter how many healing items you have. So that was pretty cool. But again, reminding people I have a creative writing background, so I focus pretty strong on character and plot. I was not impressed by the plot. Uh, Ulbricht came across like a bully because he has the ability to challenge people to a fight. Uh, just like random random townspeople, and that's how you solve some of the side quests as you challenge certain townspeople to a fight, even though there was no 
obvious reason that you should be challenging them to a fight. So I was just not a fan of the characterization. And then we get to Primrose's chapter, which was just melodramatic as hell. At one point, the villain threatens to rape Primrose. Um, and, like, Primrose, I didn't understand her motivations. She, as a young girl, watched her father get killed by these men with raven tattoos, so she's, like, hunting them down, but she's also, from a childhood, been enslaved by this man who, they don't actually say it, but it's pretty clear that the man was using her as a prostitute, um, but she's a skilled fighter, she can cast magic, and she's just hanging around trying to find these men. I don't, I didn't understand why. She, she, she can do magic, just kill the guy and go. So I, I just, acknowledging that this is a demo and these things could all be improved upon or changed over time, or it could be a completely different game by the time it comes out. What I played with it so far, I was not impressed at all. Okay, so for me, um, I thought, obviously I've only played Ulbricht's side of the story here, but I thought his his plot was fine, but the dialogue, I agree, was a, a bit on the nose. There was a heap of unnecessary exposition after it did the whole flashback thing. Um, where oh where, God, just, where he just the characters would not shut. Yeah, up. he just internalized everything in the space of a minute, and I was like, "You could have just shown me this in, in gameplay as the story unfolded." Um, it also has a thing where um, this because there's so much dialogue, they obviously don't voice all of it, like in the uh, older style RPGs. They have the stock noises and phrases to say whenever um, a dialogue box appears, where like Old Bricks says "Indeed" quite a lot, and, and yeah. that sort of got on my nerves a bit. I think I prefer the silent approach if I'm if I'm just reading through the text. Um, also, Americans doing faux English accents in ye old English style never mixes particularly well. Oh. Um, if I could just circle back to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, the Dick Van Dyke English accents, they just bug the hell out of me. Okay, I said that. Go ahead. Continue. And But while the dialogue wasn't great, I thought the story had, had a bit of heart and in term like in terms of mechanics and the systems and how you you break the enemy and you can save up the uh, points to overpower your skills i'm all over that i'm actually more excited for this one than xenoblade chronicles 2 and i'm really excited for xenoblade chronicles 2 um yeah i think i'm in the same boat as andy when it comes to this game um i did play both parts and i do agree with andrew in the sense that i thought that primrose's story was just um awful um, it was really, really um, heavily implied, as, as you said, that awful things happened to her, but also it seemed like she didn't need to be in that position because she could use magic. She was really strong. I found grinding through the early sort of fights much easier with Primrose than with Ulbrich because she just could do so much damage. Everything was weak to her kind of magic, and I was just thinking, you know, she could have easily slaughtered those three men by by this point. This sort of drama seemed a bit like they were going too hard for the damsel in distress redemption story and so the writing felt really ham-handed in terms of having her suffering almost feel really arbitrary like they needed her to have some sort of emotional crux to connect with the player and they picked extreme suffering to be that crux um and i think her the skill which she can use where she can charm people to follow her around there wasn't really any narrative use for that at all um, at least in the chapter that we played for the demo, 
So I can that part was quite frustrating to me that I felt like she wasn't really as fleshed out as a character as Elberic was. But in terms of the combat mechanics, loved it. Um, the scenery, the exploration, loved it. Conceptually, um, in terms of Ulbrich and sort of trying to figure out where all the story threads intertwine, loved it. So I think I, I think I'm one of those hopeful few, or well, I think most of us are quite hopeful actually that the story will change drastically by the time it does come out. Um, in terms of style, aesthetic, and expectation, I'm definitely going to buy this game. Like Andy, probably is going to be ahead of my purchase list. Is going to be on the list, sorry, ahead of Xenoblade Chronicles. So I will get it. And I really, really, really hope that Promosa's story changes because I see so much potential in it. A couple of the big surprises from the direct is uh, Bethesda's continuing support for the Switch. Uh, and they announced that they were bringing Doom and Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Um, now, Doom for me is uh, one of the best rhythm action games ever made. Um, gloriously bloody. Such a fun world to move through out this winter. Cannot wait. Um Wolfenstein 2 uh, coming out next year did not expect this at all kind of don't have that much to say on it because I, I was in no way expecting it um, huge fan of the new order the old blood to a lesser extent this release doesn't affect my decision to get it on the PS4 this year however I definitely can't wait to kill Nazis on the go I'm wondering if the new order is also going to come at some point maybe before this, uh, the sequel releases I have Doom on the PS4, but to my shame, I've only played it for about 10 minutes. But that 10 minutes I did play, I could tell just from that, that it was the best feeling first-person shooter I've maybe ever played. Certainly I've ever played in a long time. It was just very fluid, very fast. Everything was very responsive, which is super important in a first-person shooter, obviously. So my concern with Doom on the Switch is we've been given a lot of weasel words and a lot of pablum about how it's been rebuilt specifically for the Switch, but they haven't actually told us really any technical details about it. And I'm normally pretty disdainful about the tech crowd who are like 60 FPS or I'm not playing it. But after that experience of Doom on the PlayStation 4... If it comes out to be 30 FPS on the Switch, which I suspect is going to be the case, I'm going to be a little disappointed, but I'm going to pick it up anyway, because I haven't played the game hardly at all, so it's a good excuse for me to actually sit down and play it, even though I already own it on the PlayStation 4, you know, that's just that's just what the Switch does for me, I, actually, I want to play games on my Switch. And Wolfenstein 2, uh, as soon as it was announced, I hopped on my Amazon account and I cancelled my Wolfenstein 2 PlayStation 4 pre-order because uh, I want to support the Switch. So I'm pretty excited for that. But I would be... I would be surprised if the new order doesn't come out on Switch first because it just makes sense that it would. But they didn't announce it and it seems like the Nintendo Direct would have been the time to announce that. So maybe that's not happening, and maybe they have their own internal reasons for doing that. But I would like to see the new order on Switch. Uh, but I'm happy to play Wolfenstein to it, Wolfenstein Two, if that's all I can. I feel like announcing Wolfenstein Two was like just the big wow factor, like because no one expected that. Yeah, like, and I'm sure there's going to be compromises on the graphics. I'm sure it's not going to look as good. Uh, I know in Doom, uh, the multiplayer is an optional separate download. Uh, the only thing that's on the actual card is 
the single player mode. Wolfenstein 2, I'm sure, is going to have something similar to that. But when I think back to like the Wii U days where Arkham Origins didn't have multiplayer at all, I was like you guys said, really taken aback by the fact that either of they either of those games come to the Switch. Um, I've seen their screenshots of the uh, Doom graphics comparison to the Switch one. They don't look ridiculously disparate, so I think it might look okay. But as Andrew said, you don't you don't know whether it's going to play okay. Um, the one thing for me about Doom is that it's got it makes such use of momentum and speed in the game itself that I feel like if there is like an FPS quality drop, that could be an issue for me. Um, on a personal note, I will probably deprioritize buying Doom on the Switch just because I've got it on the PC already, and I doubt that they'll have sort of multiplayer server crossplay from PC to Switch, and all my mates play it on the PC, so that's gonna move it down on my list for me. But Wolfenstein 2, I actually would like to play on the Switch. Like Andy said, I think if I can shoot Nazis on the go, that would make my morning commute much more enjoyable. So I am 100% down for that. Um, I do hope that they release the other Wolfenstein games on the Switch. I think it makes sense to port something. And I mean, they've ported L.A. Noir, So why not go even further with the older Wolfenstein games? It could be a possibility. Um, if we see all these you know, Neo Geo games out, why not old Wolfenstein? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. So, And with the surprise of these two games getting announced, it sort of ties in nicely with other news away from the Direct. Um, so Suda51, who we mentioned last week, uh, who's bringing a new No More Heroes game to the Switch, he thinks that the Switch is punk. Um, now, he talks a lot about it from a design perspective, but I think punk is the perfect way to describe the Switch myself. Um, while, while Sony and Microsoft are having their minds bigger and more powerful than yours competition, Switch is like the young upstart, refusing to conform to conventions. Not only from the features that the hardware brings, but just like with the above, no one expected Doom or Wolfenstein to come to the system, and Nintendo just like, these games can't come to Switch, hey? Screw you, here they are. I think that's so cool. In other news, uh, six new tracks being added to Fast RMX. Uh, I haven't bothered with this one. I disliked Wipeout, so it's probably not my cup of tea. Though I did like F-Zero. Um, hint, Nintendo. I don't have any strong opinions on this one way or the other. Cool for those that like it, I guess. Now, we've all said uh, a couple of times that if a game comes out on Switch, we're more likely to play it on, on there than on other formats. Um, we literally just said it a second ago, in fact. Uh, and that seems to be the case for a lot of people. Um, indie developers particularly are reporting that games are selling best on on the Switch. Uh, Wonder Boy The Dragon's Trap, for example, um, and the developers of Oceanhorn and Former 8. Looks like it's possible that uh, achievements are coming to Switch also. Uh, the developers behind Lichspear uh, mentioned it in a Q&A session and then quickly realised what they did and tried to brush over it. Um, now, I'm kind of off the achievements train. Um, part of when I emigrated, I was big on 360 achievements. Then I moved on to PlayStation when I got here. And then, because it was like a whole new system, I kind of just gave up on worrying about trying to get them. Where do you guys stand on this one? Um, I am still 100% on the achievement hype train. Um, I love any sort of measure of progress in the game. I love it when a game's like, you've smashed 10 pots, have an achievement. You've killed three people. Have an achievement. Like, it's addictive to me, so I really enjoy them, and I'm a completionist, so I will 100% be loving the fact that I can now track my progress with those things on the Switch. And that'd be quite cool to see those, like, I guess, jokey, satirical achievements that a lot of games can get. Like, I think there'll be a couple of Breath of the Wild that 
if they do implement this, will, will you know, probably pop their heads up. So I'm excited for it. Uh, I used to really be into achievements. Like I would be like, I would rather play a game on 360 than anything else because then I could get achievements for it because I like unlocking them. But I just feel like over time, either my interest in achievements or just the way achievements are designed have made me lose interest in them. I think back to like the first Dead Rising game, which had all the wacky things that you had to do to unlock achievements. And then you look at games that come out more recently and the achievements are like, beat the first act, beat the whole game. It's like, okay, I was going to do that anyway. So that's not really an achievement. Uh, my, so, my favorites were always the ones that made you play the game in a way that you weren't expecting. Yeah. And I think Dead Rising was the first game that did that, and I think it's still the best as far as making you play the game in ways that you never would. Um, but we've heard of the achievement thing before. They talked about achievements coming to Wii U, and then what it turned out it was was you could post a picture on Miiverse saying, I did the thing, and then other people could go, yeah, you did the thing, and then that was the achievement system. So... I think if they were going to have achievements on Switch that they would have already done it. I think it's too little too late now. There's so many games that are out there now that are going to require a patch to add achievements if they even go to that effort to do it. I think we're, if it does happen, it's going to be another disappointing Miiverse thing. And it's, it's just too late for it to have happened. It should have been there at the start if they were going to do it. So I could go either way on it. It doesn't matter. We're going to move on to newly announced or updated games on the, the store. Now we're going to breeze through these ones because we're just a bit conscious of time because we front-loaded a lot of uh, Nintendo Direct stuff. So uh, Thimbleweed Park comes out on September 21st. The new one from Ron Gilbert looks really good. Uh, one More Dungeon, no release date, looks super cool. It's a voxel and pixel art based first-person road-like dungeon crawler. I suspect Andrew will be up for this one based on something we're going to talk about in a bit. I'm not huge on first-person dungeon crawlers. I might look at it, but if I see one thing about it that I'm like, nah, I'm probably going to pass. Okay, I stand corrected. Axiom Verge <laughs> uh, comes out on October 5th digitally. Uh, the physical release hasn't been given a date yet. This is a, a thing we're starting to see a bit more and more of um, with uh, NBA 2K18, for example, which we'll move on to shortly. Um, Cinemora EX also has a release date September 21st in the US uh, October 10th global damn you Yankees <laughs> Riptide GP I'd not heard of this one uh, it's a it kind of looks like a wave race game okay that's a good way to sum it up and Nintendo and wave race go hand in hand generally um, and Siberia has a release date of October 20th now I remember this one getting a, a lot of hype uh, a while back, but I never actually looked into it. It's a port of a PC game from Turn of the Century. It looks pretty out there. It's got like robots, and you're like a detective exploring some kind of mystery. I'm intentionally not learning much about it because it's a story-based adventure game, so I, I don't want anything to be spoiled for me. And it's been out for a while, so the spoilers are out there. So we'll move on to new releases. Um, we're going to try and be as breezy as possible and only talk about the stuff we've played. Um, so out this week came Robonauts, Beach Buggy Racing, Spin Master, another Neo Geo classic, and 36 Fragments of Midnight, 
looks interesting. Super cheap at under five dollars. I've picked it up. Haven't played it yet. Uh, Kingdom New Lands, which looks like um, a side-scrolling like village-building thing. Yeah. Um, looks looks interesting. I I haven't bought it because I I don't fully understand what it is yet. I need to look into that. Semispheres is also it looks like a, a multiplayer puzzler thing. Now I picked up NBA Two K eighteen. Now last week we learned Andrew's opinion on what he dubbed sports ball. So I'm assuming he has no interest in this. Uh, and I understand that Ginny isn't big on sports video games. Yep, is that that's right? correct. Okay, cool. So it's just going to be me talking on my own, which always goes well. Um, I did get NBA Playgrounds and I did like it. So <laughs> I loved basketball. Loved it ever since I was a kid. I was in the school team. Um, I always bought the latest NBA game on PlayStation and and PlayStation 2, and played with all my mates. Um, but I did sort of fall out of following the NBA over the last couple of years. And because of that, I don't have an idea of where 2K18 sits in the pantheon of NBA 2K games. But in prep, I did play the PlayStation 4 prelude demo just to get on a, a handle on how it compares to the Switch version. Uh, and pretty well is the prognosis. Uh, there's a, a bit of a graphical hit, which is to be expected, but it's definitely not ugly plays very 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 similar to the ps4 game one thing i noticed is that the the kits don't have the same like silky flow to them that they do on the other versions but i think that's a smarter mission to save save memory if especially if they're looking at scaling it down and it doesn't compromise anywhere where i thought it would stadiums are lively full of movement there's little touches like mini parachutes raining down for some reason it, it looks really good in motion um, but what I've found is that basketball games have got a lot more complicated since I last played them. A lot of weird button combos that I wasn't expecting. Um, but it's definitely the type of basketball experience I was after on this console. NBA Playgrounds was okay, but it just didn't really do it for me. Uh, and I'm pleased to have got that. Um, and the other thing I like about this, I think it's really cool that while EA is going, hey, this feature's cut, this feature's cut with FIFA, 2K have just gone... Hey, have everything. And there's definitely... It's a dense basketball game with a lot of modes to work through. Uh, and we'll have an hour of the My Career stuff up on YouTube soon, so be sure to check that out. Also out is Rayman Legends. So Andrew picked this up, so he's going to have a, a bit of a spiel about it. Uh, what do you make of it? I've been following the Rayman series since the first game, uh, way back on the PlayStation 1, uh, which is a game I really enjoyed. It's got bright colorful well animated sprites but it's not actually that fast a game so i was really interested when i started playing legends which is the first rayman game i've played in many a decade how fast it actually is and i said to myself way back when the switch first launched and i got shovel knight on it i said i would actually really like to play just really solid, well-crafted, classic-style platformers on it, and Rayman Legends definitely falls into that. Uh, it sticks you in this world where you have to save some teensies who are like these little guys from all the different places they've been stashed away, being threatened by these bad monster peoples who live inside paintings. It's, uh, it's an excuse plot. It doesn't matter. Uh, it could not exist, and the game would be exactly the same. And I just, I really enjoy it. It's fast, it's responsive, 
Uh, it's not challenging yet, but I'm not that far into it. But the first hour is up on YouTube. You can watch me flail my way through the first few levels trying to find everything. Uh, it's a pretty solid game from what I've played of it so far. The only thing that I really have as far as complaining about it, and Ginny echoes this thought based on our discussion of it, is there are some bonus missions which are recycled versions of levels that are in the core game, but you have to use the touchscreen to beat them while a little guy, little AI character runs through the level for you, and you've got to like move move all the traps and the platforms into place for him so he doesn't die. I, I'm not wild about it, but this goes back to what I talked about in the last episode where I just I don't want my fingers all over my touchscreen, so that, that's my whole thing with that. But except for those bonus levels, which are bonus levels, so you don't even have to bother with them if you don't like them, uh, I'm pretty enthusiastic towards it. Yeah, I can echo that. I played the PS3 version um, and the Vita version of both the the newer Rayman games, um, and they're they're super fun. Um, I love the art style. That Ubi art engine is just phenomenal. But I do think Origins was the better game. But this is still a very good platformer to have on the Switch. I think. Yeah, I quite liked Origins myself, and uh, I'm just so put off by the touchscreen thing. Not because I don't like using my touchscreen, because I play the hell out of rhythm games. But it's just, they were just so clunky in the demo, and they appear to still be really clunky and awful here. And I know it's like an optional part of the game and all that, but like I said, as someone who is a completionist, I like compulsively playing every single part of every game. And so that's really, really, really going to grind my gears when it comes to finishing everything. Um, I think it otherwise looks good. I don't know if I'd enjoy the demo enough to slam down my money for it right away based on my aversion to the touchscreen section. So I'm going to wait a little bit longer before I get it, I think. And can we talk about how great those music levels are? They are so good. I agree. That is the one sort of major selling point that I absolutely love. The whole remakes of classic songs that people know. I think the momentum is amazing. And what they've done with incorporating music into the level with the beats that seem to make so much sense. Not just like sort of jumping beats, but also attacks and enemies swinging in. Like, it's just so full of energy. It's amazing. I love them. I find it also helped me through the levels as well, because I have that natural rhythm to the music. Mm. I love the Black Betty level in the demo. Um, oh, yeah. That, that level was what sold me on it. I played that, and I was like, yes, I'm getting this game day one. But I haven't actually gotten to any of the musical levels in the core game yet. So, uh, hopefully soon. But there's been a lot of stuff out this week that I've felt obligated to play, so I haven't given it the attention it deserves yet. Lastly, also out came Quest of Dungeons. Now... Uh, I'm not big on roguelikes, but I really like the look of this one, so I decided to pick it up. Uh, it reminds me of a, a game on PC called Desktop Dungeons. It's it's, it's very similar, but it's it's a retro-styled uh, dungeon dungeon explorer. It's got a quick pace. I know it's billed as a roguelike, but I've not hit any trouble with the difficulty yet. But if you die, you die, that's it. You have to go right back to the beginning. In fact, the only time it killed me so far was the sign at the beginning. Did, you've played this. Did you fall victim to that, Andrew? Yeah, my first game. <laughs> I was like, oh, this <laughs> sign. What does this do? Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like the rhythm of it. I like the, the exploration. Um, I like that you can find shopkeepers to upgrade your gear. I like the loot drops. I like sorting through my loot. Um, I like 
buffing my skills with the tomes that I find. What class did you go for? I played as the warrior for the first like couple rounds I did, but I hadn't quite fully gelled with what the game was wanting me to do to succeed yet, and I died several times. <laughs> I died to a boss, and another time I just got overwhelmed. Uh, I probably would do better now that I have more familiarity with the game, but the class I've really latched onto, and I've had several successful runs through the mansions with has been the assassin typical of me i went straight for the warrior and that's what i've stuck with i haven't actually found a boss yet so that'll be interesting to see how that goes when i get there i'm actually surprised that i haven't picked it up yet um i'm normally quite um big on roguelikes i actually just didn't hear about it so um i might think about getting it um i knew it came out on steam quite a while ago and people really slammed it as a rogue light game but i think the sort of maybe slightly more casual nature of its roguelike elements might will probably suit the switch better and i think it'd be nice to play a roguelike game in my downtime so i'll think about it especially because it's got glowing reviews from quite a few people that i know so it's not hard yet like not as hard as like i expect from a rogue game and i think of all the rogue like games that i've played this year this is the one that's closest to actually rogue being what rogue is and was so I've been enjoying it in that regard. And actually, what I think of most when I'm playing it is uh, way back in the 1990s when they were developing the first Diablo uh, that actually ran a lot like how Quest of Dungeons runs, where you move and all your enemy monster moves at the same time, and it's all one-to-one. -one. They don't make take an action until you take an action. But then one day, the Blizzard developers decided, what would happen if we turned on a switch and just made it so the whole game ran in real time? And they really liked the result. Which obviously fundamentally changed the entire game and how we think of the Diablo series as it is today. But Quest of Dungeons... I think is what Diablo would have been like if they hadn't turned that switch on and just kept the game running as turn-based one-to-one movement. So okay. that's what I've been enjoying most about it. Uh, just killing things, picking up loot. It's very, if you like Diablo, I think you would like this game. It's more methodical because it's turn-based, yep. but it still plays very much in the same vein. Okay, one thing we had listed here to talk about was the uh, HD Rumble. Now, Andrew, I think you brought this one up. I think it's because you're having trouble telling between that and normal Rumble. Is that right? I have never been able to feel the difference between the two. Like, um, Fast RMX I picked up in the launch week of the Switch because I read that it had really good HD Rumble in integration. And then I played it, and I'm like, this just feels like rumbling to me um like uh there's one level set in fast rmx that's set in a desert and you're supposed to go through sandstorms and people have said oh it feels just like you're in a sandstorm now i've never been in a sandstorm so i don't know what that would feel like but i'm holding the controller in my hand and it's just rumbling and that's all i feel is rumble and then uh, maybe that's what it feels like maybe i don't know that it, that's probably a bad example to start with but then also in the Project Octopath Traveler demo that we all just played. When you buy and sell an item, I read on Twitter, it's supposed to feel like coins dropping on a table through the HD Rumble, and I did that, and it just feels like 
rumble to me. I don't know if my hands are broken or if developers are saying, oh yeah, it's got HD rumble when it just has regular rumble or if people are being bamboozled into thinking that they're feeling something that isn't really there. I just, I don't, I can't tell the difference and I was just wondering if that was just me. Um, no, you're not alone. I cannot tell the difference either. No game has matched what they did in the uh, Switch reveal event, you know, with the, oh, how many ice cubes? Yeah, um, I still haven't played all, that, so... All it feels to me is that the rumble is more powerful than on the PS4 or Xbox. Is it better? Um, no. <laughs> like, occasionally in handheld mode, it'll even feel a little overwhelming. Like, too powerful for the game I'm playing. I think the Pro Controller softens it a bit, but yeah, other than that, I just think it's like a more powerful rumble. Yeah, there have been a few games where I've turned the rumble off because I've been concerned it's going to damage my controller. I can't feel a difference either, so maybe all three of us have broken hands. Um, But I do remember distinctly the um, Senran Kagura advertisement um, in April during that direct, which said that they'd use HD rumble for um, interaction segments. So maybe they'll... (laughs) improve it or change it by that point but other other than that i really don't think um hd rumble feels any different from regular rumble and i don't know how they're going to make hd or regular rumble work in an appealing way in senran kagura at all i think it'd be quite traumatizing to actually just you know imagine see what you're seeing and and feel what you're feeling um as hd rumble but um we'll see i suppose until then i think Maybe all three of us have broken hands. I don't know. What do you guys think, um, viewers and listeners? Um, can you feel HD Rumble or not? <laughs> Give us a shout out if you can, because we don't know what's going on. And that leads nicely into the final segment of the show, which is listener questions. So, first up, we have uh, Ernest Seven, who asks, do you think they'll ever bring Animal Crossing to Switch? Uh, absolutely. I know for a fact there was a lot of interest in it for the direct a lot of people were hopeful it was coming i hope it comes next year i'm really i'm really up for that what about you guys i love animal crossing um and when direct did not announce any animal crossing i was a bit heartbroken um i was a bit sad um so 100 percent, yes a thousand times over yes i think they will it makes no sense not to they've had it on pretty much every other console so far and it's a huge seller people love it it's popular Happy Home Designer, which was this bit up really well as well. I think it makes commercial sense to bring it. So 100% yes, but I think it will be next year. Uh, inevitably, it will be on the Switch, but I see the cell phone version coming out first. I guess we already know that one's in development. So. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Pengeli asks, Were you disappointed that there was no mention of the Virtual Console during the Nintendo Direct? Yes and no. Um, but it wasn't until I read the question that I thought, Oh, hey, yeah, because I'm generally more excited for the new stuff. But I think the retro titles will come. Um, what about you guys? Um, I think they'll come eventually. Um, like you said, I mean, we've got like, what, 50 Neo Geo um, games right now. So it's only a matter of time till we get the virtual console stuff. But I don't know if they're going to push it up on their priority list at all. Um, it will come. Just I don't think it's going to come ASAP. I think right now they're just focused on getting these big hitters out every month so people have something to play yeah i agree i wasn't disappointed at all uh it's gonna happen we know it's gonna happen they've already announced that there's going to be something involving their old games on 
their subscription service they are allegedly putting out in spring of next year. Uh, so that's probably going to be what the virtual console has become. But as I went over in episode one of the podcast, the virtual console is just a meaningless brand name at this point. We've got, I don't know how many Neo Geo games out on the Switch now. That's basically virtual console without the branding. So, and we've got uh, Ar- Arcade Archives is putting out Super Mario Brothers. Um, so it's inevitable, but I'm just, I'm more invested in getting... Classics of last gen and Nintendo in or Nintendo originals like sequels to all their games and indie games put on it. Uh, I if I want to play a virtual console game, I've got Wii U. Uh, for many cases, I have the original game still. And actually, it just came out today. Uh, since it's a Saturday, probably not many people have noticed, but it just came out today that actually Golf for NES is actually embedded in the Switch firmware. So. I think it's inevitable that Virtual Console is going to come out. Uh, it just needs to be unlocked for us. And finally, Blockhead asks, are you more excited for Doom or Wolfenstein 2 on Switch? Um, ooh, tough one. I'd probably go with Doom at the moment because I've played it once and I know how great it is and I can't wait to replay it. Whereas Wolfenstein 2, as, as much as I love the New Order and the Old Blood, it's still an unknown quantity to me. So a lot of that's going to depend on how well the new Colossus does next month. Uh, Andrew? I'm more looking forward to Doom 2, because as you say, it's a known quantity. I know it's a good game. Well, other people think it's a good game. We'll see how I feel about it once I actually sit down and play it. Um, And I look at it as a a testing bed for Wolfenstein 2. If Doom runs well, there's no, like, significant technical hitches or fatal game errors in it, then I can look forward to Wolfenstein 2 as being a stable and good time as well. I am Team Wolfenstein. Um, Like I said before, um, Doom is sort of lower on my list of games to buy for the Switch just because of how I've played it and how my mates play it on PC, so I always love shiny new things. Um, so I'm definitely Team Wolfenstein. I can't wait to see what it looks like and what it plays like, and I haven't ordered it on any other um, platform, um, as I think it was Andrew did the minute they were like, it's coming to the Switch. I was like, right, that's it. I'm just going to get it only on the Switch. So I am Team Wolfenstein all the way. Okay, and I think that's a wrap from all three of us today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. I think we're up there already. It really helps us get noticed, so please do that. Um, You can also listen and subscribe on, I believe, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Please, please, please send us your questions or respond to our Twitter feed at SwitchFocusPod. We love hearing from our listeners. And sort of giving back to you guys, whether it's a funny question or doing crazy tongue twisters, we're all for it. We also have a Facebook account and a website and a contact form on there um, whereby you can send us questions. So please do that. Um, And it was great chatting with everyone again this week. One thing we are doing on our YouTube channel, Switch Focus Podcast, is we are trying to record the first hour of gameplay for most of the games that we play and upload them there to be watched now obviously you can't really determine the 
quality of a game just from the first hour of it, but you can usually get a good idea if it's going to be a game you're going to be interested in at all, and you can also watch us make our stupid mistakes and fall flat on our faces and die repeatedly, so that's always fun. So you can check in there to watch that. And apart from watching us fall flat on our face playing video games, you can follow us individually on Twitter. I am at GinnyWoes, that's G-I-N-N-Y-W-O-E-S. And Andy is at Flame Roast Toast. That's a great Final Fantasy XV shout out over there. And Andrew is Play Critically. And I guess that's it from us. Goodbye. Bye. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> One of us was going to do it, and I, I'm just shocked that it was you. <laughs>